Turn with me to the book of Ruth, if you would, and let me finish the sermon this morning, that I had this morning. We'll not read all the chapter as we did today. We will read again the first five verses. It came to pass in the days when the judges ruled, that there was a famine in the land. And a certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab, he and his wife and his two sons. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife, Naomi, and the name of the two sons, Malon and Chilion, Ephrathites of Bethlehem, Judah. And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left and her two sons. And they took the wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Orpha, and the name of the other Ruth. And they dwelled there about ten years. And Malon and Chilion died, also both of them. And the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. This morning I spoke to you for about an hour on the subject of what a price they paid. And I got to share with you the first two points of this sermon. Now let me say again what I said today, that this is a representative illustration. It will mean nothing to you unless you place yourself in Elimelech's, Naomi's, Malon, or Chilion's place. If you're a young person, it would do you good to place yourself in Malon's or Chilion's place. If you're a wife, it would be good to be in Naomi's and a husband in Elimelech's. Everything that happens is a family affair. The decisions that they make affect the entire family. Like the choices and decisions of every member of the family. Whether it's the husband or the wife or the children affect the rest. The conduct of each family member affects all the family. The phrase, no man is an island, is true of the family. And we saw how Elimelech and his family lived in the land of promise. We saw the land of Canaan being a place of rest. Bethlehem, which means the house of bread, and Judah, the land of praise. I mentioned that these were priceless possessions. And it's possible to play the fool with priceless things. I heard of a man who sold all that he had, took all of his money, and purchased a rare jewel. While returning from a foreign country, thrilled with his jewel, he showed it to everyone on board the ship. One day he was tossing it into the air in arrogancy. Proud of his pearl, or his jewel, or ever what it was, a great price. He was standing close to the rail and he said, watch this. And he pitched it up. And the boat rocked. And his jewel fell to the ocean. That's what you call playing a fool with priceless things. The land of rest, the house of bread, these are priceless things. And praise, joy, 
rest, peace, happiness in the Lord. These are priceless jewels. Here's a family living in the land of promise. We saw that today. Then we spoke of the family. What I tried to do in the family is place myself into the shoes of Elimelech. Trying to picture myself as if I faced disaster, destitution, the conflict of the emotions, the mental torture, and the trouble and the trials that he faced. I tried to probe the depths of his mind and his imagination. I tried to understand the contents of his heart. That's difficult to do because you never know what another person is like inside. You don't know how they think and how they reason and how they understand. But I tried to understand Elimelech's thinking. And I spoke to you about the phrase if. I tried to imagine Elimelech looking at his crops, looking at his cattle, picturing his sheep. I tried to imagine him coming home at dinner or supper, sitting around with his family and thinking, what will I do if my crop fails? What will I do if I let my children die? What will happen to Naomi? What will happen to Malon and Chilion? What will happen to them if my crop fails? I tried to picture a man living in a land of promise, a special people, God's family, living in those promises, knowing how God had given them fruit for their trees and grain and their crops and knowing how God had taken care of them in this land of plenty. But all of a sudden God was turning it into famine and destroying that which was growing. No rain. Everything became disastrous. So I tried to picture him. Fearful. How fear causes the imagination to run wild. As he faced the future and faced the prospects and the frustration of his emotional being and the struggles that he must have had within. See, the truth is, Making decisions are not easy. Decisions are difficult to make. Especially life-changing decisions. The changing of direction, as you're fixing to say. The changing of course. The changing of place to live was to cause the life of Malon and Chilion. As well as Elimelech. That's what I call a life-changing decision. They are to make the wrong decision, thinking they're making the right one. They lived in an unusual day. The last verse, verse 25 of the 21st chapter of Judges says, Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. If you're living in a day with all those around you doing what is right in their own eyes, it is most difficult to come to a spiritual decision governed by the Lord. If others do what they please and call it right, it is difficult to live by a standard of right given to you by the Lord. The pressure of your peers, especially you young folks, is devastating. It is destroying of your confidence in your faith. Well, here, this family is with the head of it whose responsibility to protect and to provide 
is upset and bothered and troubled. And we spoke to you about discontentment can force dislodgement. How that desperation can justify relocation and discouragement can produce disconsolateness. And then we spoke of the forbidden countries enticing hills and the problem he had with lust, his cravings and the blindness of deception, the hardness of his heart. Tonight I want to finish the last two truths. First, we spoke of the family in the land of promise. Second, the famine in the land of promise. Third, the forsakenness of the land of promise. The escape that they use, the escape route that they take. What has happened at this particular time, a decision to depart has been made. The decision is settled. It is beyond question what they have decided to do. I remember it is a family affair. Look back at verse number one, the emphasis of the verse. And a certain man, now that singles out Elimelech. Of Bethlehem, Judah went to sojourn in the country of Moab. But now notice the emphasis. He and his wife and his two sons. The emphasis of this verse gives validity to the fact that each one made a choice. Each one made a decision. It affected the entire family. Elimelech, I'm sure, came in one day and said, Naomi, I've made a decision. I'll tell you what I've decided to do. I believe it would be right for me and for our family if we left the barren lands of Canaan and went to the green fields of Moab. I just believe that would be right. I don't believe God wants us to stay without rest. I don't believe the Lord wants us to go to a house of which we have no bread. I just don't believe the Lord would be pleased with us to stay without any praise. Our joy is gone and our peace is gone. Our rest is gone and we have nothing to look forward to. Naomi, I just don't believe it's going to get any better. Naomi, why don't we just get the boys... I'm sure they want to go too. I'm sure they feel like we do. I'm almost positive they're tired of laboring in this dryness. I'm sure that they weary of all this. Why don't we just get the boys and we'll go over to the fields of Moab. Since it is in a family affair, I can hear Naomi say, Elimelech, I've watched you in your distress. I've seen how upset you've been. I've seen your wrinkled brown. I've watched you worry. I've felt you toss in the bed at night time. I believe it'd be better for you. And I'm, I, I, I just agree with you. I, I think that's a thing for us to do. I think we should desert this place. I think we should leave here. You've made the right decision to live with that. I'll agree with you. I can see Elimelech and Naomi going into the boys. Say, Malon, you and Chilion, sit down, we won't talk to you. And I can hear Elimelech lay all the drastic circumstances out. I can hear him as his heart 
begins to pour out all the reasons, the justifiable excuses for his move. For the decision that he's made, I can hear him share his first person. I can hear him as he points out the reasons for leaving Canaan and why they should go to Moab. Have you ever noticed when you get your mind made up, you always want to justify yourself in doing something? Isn't it amazing? You want to justify the decision that you made. Well, this was Elimelech and Naomi and the boys. All of them agreed. He and his wife and the two sons, they agreed together. It is a family affair. That a family decision is made, now the family deserts. You see the family desertion of the land. God had given them a land. God had given them a place. And God had given them the opportunity of service in His land. So many things they could have done. They did everything but pray. Everything but seek God's face. Everything but call on God. They used the weather. It was a result. Because of the draft, drought. They used the circumstances. They used everything. For an excuse of leaving. And like I said, they did everything but ask God. I can see the boys... I can see Naomi. I can see Elimelech packing their things. Packing their mules, their horses, whatever they had. Packing their bags. I can see one of the neighbors come by and say, Elimelech, where are you going? Naomi, where are you going? And see who is pleasant. In person and personality says, we've decided to go to Boaz. I can hear the man's wife with him say, but Naomi, don't you know that the land of Moab is the cursed country? Naomi, don't you know it's the enemy's land? Don't you know, Naomi, that over there, they don't worship our God. They worship the gods of the world. Naomi, don't you know what you're getting into? And I can hear Naomi say, oh, but we've decided. And I hear Elimelech say, but we've decided. I hear Malon and Chilion say, but oh, we've decided. It'd be better for us. We'd be better off. And we'd be in a better place. We don't see anything at all. Well, there's no way out. And look what we got here. Look what we got before us. You sure, you, you know God's not pleased with the way things are going here. <laughs> You know, God can't expect us to stay in this with no joy and no praise. Oh, it'll be all right. Nothing wrong. Look over here. Come outside. Look. See the green hills of Moab? My cattle have some grass to eat. And you know God wants us to take care of our cattle. And you've seen the dark clouds and You've seen the rain over in the land of Moab and you know they've got rain over there. And look at our old parched fields. We don't have anything over here. And you know God wants me to feed my family and take care of my family. And He'd be pleased with that. So He doesn't see anything wrong with me going to the land of Moab. No, you're wrong. We're right. 
Because every way of a man's life is a lie. So the decision has been made and the family decides to desert. They're escaping. They're escaping to freedom. Not realizing they're escaping to enslavement. Oh, God, deliver me from a decision that would enslave me while promising me freedom. Oh, God, deliver me from the blight of the decisions that, that damn and destroy a man's life. Oh, certain decisions that deceive me and certain thoughts that deceive my innermost being and cause me to believe that the ways of the world would be better and the things the people of the world had it better than what I had it. Oh, God, keep me from ever feeling like the hills of Moab have more than the dry first earth in the land of promise. I pray God to keep me enough reason and enough wisdom to stay with the land of rest even if I'm restless. The house of bread even if there's no bread on the table. God, help me to stay with the land of praise if there's no joy. I just got a sneaking suspicion it's going to get better. Amen. See, their easement that they sought became an endangerment. That freedom which they thought they were to have was bondage. The world offers freedom. But a child of God can never have freedom in a world in which he used to be free. There's nothing but bondage of the child of God. There is no escape from the drought. You escape the physical, the material drought, and you don't have physical drought. Trying to better yourself in the ways of the world makes you worse in the ways of God. Oh, but my, they fixing to give it up. It amazes me. They're fixing to give up their land that God had given them. They're fixing to give up the inheritance. My, they're going to give up the land of rest. For Moab. They're fixing to say, I don't need the house of bread. I don't need the house of bread. I'll be satisfied in Moab. I pray God never let me get to the place to where I don't need the church. 
This is my house of bread. I may come here restless, hungry, and receive nothing. And be joyous and cheerless. And praise God, I'm going to stay with it. I pray I don't ever get to the place to where I think I can live in Moab and don't need the land of praise and the house of bread. My, they're willing. They're willing. And they have willed to give up the place of rest and the house of prayer and the land of praise. They're willing to do it. And now they will to do it. The decision is made. Now it's one thing to be willing to do something and it's something else to will to do it. They make a decree to do it. Let's do it, they say. Let's go. Let's desert. And then you see their destination. The land of Moab. Remember that's a cursed land. God cursed it. And God forbade any Moabite come into the house of the Lord. And yet, Malon and Chilion are fixing to marry some Moabites. <coughs> See, the truth is this. If you ever put your approval on a wrong and declare it right, sooner or later, you're going to have to declare somebody else's wrong is right. If you ever put your approval on a wrong inside you, then someone else is wrong you're going to have to give place to. They're not just fixing to make one decision, that's it. They're going into the land of Moab and lose their lives in the process. Everybody but Naomi. Isn't that sad? And the reason they're leaving is for us escape to freedom and liberty and life. But instead of escaping, they go into enslavement. But here's what was so sad to me. Can you imagine the next few weeks after this, people passing by and seeing Elimelech and Naomi's house empty? Asking the question, where's Elimelech? Where's Naomi? Where's Malon? Where's Chilion? Oh, they're not here anymore. A vacancy has been created. They're not here anymore. Well, where are they? They're going to Moab. Moab? Can you imagine the discussion down at the gate? Where the men sit? Where's the little at? He's going to Moab. I can hear some say, but does he have any idea what he's done? Does he have any idea of what he's left behind? Does he have any idea of what he's taking on? The truth was, he got to the place that he did not place value on what he left. That's the reason he left it. Anything that you have no value on, you're willing to leave behind or sell, swap or trade. But if you have value on it, you refuse to trade it. That's one reason. If God lets me I want to keep 
the rest and peace and joy that I have in my heart. I wouldn't take a million worlds of being able to hear the voice of God. Well, these past few weeks have been some of the most precious weeks of my life as far as hearing God. I've had God so real in the camp of where I was this past few days. I've had God so real in these meetings these past few weeks. So where's more real than you could reach out and touch it? I pray under God's heaven I never want something more than I want that. And to hear that voice so clear when it speaks to my heart, knowing I'm in communion and fellowship with God, and hearing when He speaks, and have the joy by those rings, and the rivers overflow, and nobody in the camp for the trailer but me. Trade that, give that away, and the God's have a thousand times. No! Boy, I don't have anything compared to what God has. I want God to know that His joy and His peace and His rest and His jewels are the most priceless possessions that I have. And I pray I never play the fool with throwing them up and down chance on losing. I want those things. I want the things of the Lord. The decision is made. The direction is the land of Moab. He's gone now. House is empty. The land has one less family. Position is gone. Been willing now to give up his place and his position. Go to Moab. Three things I want you to see: the forsaking of the land of promise. Look back at verse one. A certain man of Bethlehem, Judah, went to sojourn in the country of Moab. I want you to see their intention. Now, their intention was to sojourn. The words for sojourn simply means a brief stay, temporary lodging. They did not intend to live there, but just for a little while. They made a decision that when they left the place of rest and bread and praise, they would return in just a little while. Have you ever noticed a child of God just doesn't make a decision to go all the way into Moab? Their decision, by the way, because one of the worst is to just live in the fields. What they want to do is cross right over the border, not going to the city, not be involved in the worship, not be involved with the people, just live across the border over in to the land of Moab. That way, if they get over there and they don't like it, or something goes bad, they run back to the land of Canaan. I'm sure that Elimelech, in his decision, has mixed emotions. On one hand, he says, 
This is the thing to do. But on the other hand, he says, but if it doesn't work out, we can always come back. And that is deception. We may get back, some of us, but some may be laying graves over Moab. And the one that comes back will come back for what she left. Yeah, that's right. Isn't that amazing? That's an amazement. But all I can hear them while they're walking down the trail. I may long you and cheer on. Don't go too far now. Don't you get with the other boys and girls, men and women. Now, what I want you to do is stay to yourselves. Stay true to God. Go ahead and worship God. And we'll supply our needs with the fields. Naomi, you and me, we'll be companions. We'll fellowship together. We'll just go far enough and no further. So they went over and dwelt in the fields of Moab with their intention of just staying a little while. Haven't you seen some young folks and some adults who say, it won't hurt me to play around in the world just this once. The trouble with the once is if you like it and they like you, it's going to call for a twice. The intention is to sojourn. But second, their involvement caused them to stay longer than they intended. Look at verse number 3. Verse number 3 says, And Elimelech and Naomi, husband died, and she was left of her two sons. Well, no, look at verse 2. It's in verse 2. Verse 2, And they came into the country of Moab and continued there. Verse 1 said they sojourned. Verse 2 said they continued. Now what happened when they got over there? What happened was the people of Moab opened their arms to them. Come on in. First thing they did was accept them. Worst thing in the world could have happened. Best thing that could have happened was the people of Moab rejected them. But oh no. They opened their arms to them. Come on. And if you ever notice there's always somebody in the world opening their arms to you. Then come on. Get involved with me. <laughs> Listen, you just crossed the border. Come on in further. It'll be all right. We put our wheels in there on you. And I can hear the Moabites say, I hear this man by the name of Emily. He's worshiping that one God. Oh, Jehovah, they call him in the land of Canaan. We've served many gods here in Moab. And then they come with his family and his sons. We're glad to have him over here. You make him welcome. And the world has a way of making you welcome. Giving you things and making you feel good. Oh, you come over here destitute. You don't have any place to live. We'll give you a place to live here with us. Not only that, we'll give you food to eat. And we'll help supply your needs. Boy, things begin to happen now. All of a sudden, one day, Malon comes in. Hey, Mama. I met the most beautiful young lady you have ever seen. Let, let me tell you something, Mama. You thought the, the girls over in Canaan were pretty. 
this one just devastated my heart. I'm here now to say, you don't been out farther than you intended, have you? You got into it more than you intended, didn't you? You went farther than you intended, didn't you? But Mama, I've been dating her behind your back. Because I knew what you'd say. I knew what the Bible said. I knew what the law said. The law said that you're not supposed to. Mama, I've been growing with her long enough now. I've fallen in love with her and I want to marry her. I hear Naomi at first gasp and say, Oh, but surely not. Don't you know that God said you're not supposed to marry Moabite. Mama, I love her. And she loves me. So because of the emotional environment between Malon and a Moab, and a mama and a son, mama puts approval on a wrong. But she'd already put approval on a wrong. See, there's no end to where the devil leads you. And there's no stopping place till he destroys you. That's just like some of us here. Some of you girls here, boys here. You know what the Bible says about dating or marrying unbelievers. But yet we do it in hand. Why? Because we say, it's alright. Worst thing in the world is when unbelievers, unsaved men, put their approval on saved women. And saved women put their approval on lost men or vice versa. See, they got to the place to where it didn't matter. And I'll say this to you young folks that are here tonight. When it gets to the place you, where it doesn't matter who you date and who you run around with, you're going to end up destroyed. I know a preacher right now. I was in a meeting with him. Three of his daughters started dating boys. They were in church. But when I met them, we started coming to church. And all they made all kind of promises and vows until they married him. When they married him, the boys went right back to living the same way they were living before, and they made a hell on earth for those three young ladies. But you know what the young ladies were saying? When they first started, nothing wrong with these Moabites. Nothing wrong with these Moabites. And the Moabites were certainly saying, nothing wrong with these from Canaan. Because to the Moabites, they don't care whether they're from Moab or Canaan. And they were prime targets. Prime candidates for temptation and deception. See, when you get to the place to where you really don't care about the promises of God, you get to the place you don't care about the house of God and the promise of God and the commandments of God, you'll finally eventually get to the place to where you live like you want to. This is what was happening. Oh, they left God's house and left God's place and they said, nothing wrong with this. And then they get over in Moab and said, nothing wrong with this. 
Under God's heaven, where does it stop? Nothing wrong with this. Nothing wrong with this. So you know what the scripture says? I continued there. Hmm, so we like this. Moabites approve of us. Well, you know, we got the place we're approving in. You know, they're not half bad. And you heard him say that? You know, they're not as bad as we thought they were. Surely, God must have been wrong. I don't even hear what God's opinion was. You know, surely God just got too strict and God doesn't know what he's talking about. I, was, I love this woman. I hear Malon say, and I can hear Chil Young say, well, I love this woman. It really doesn't matter. We're over here living now by a different standard with a different group of folks. And, you know, I just feel like that's the thing to do. Elimelech, I need your blessing. Naomi, I need your blessing. So they consented one day to a marriage. So Malon and Chilion have put enough pressure on their parents that now the parents must okay a wrong marriage. Like I said, where in the world does this thing stop? I tell you where it needs to stop is before it ever gets started. And I'm not talking about the, the dating of Malon and Chilion. The problem was with Elimelech and Naomi. Back when he was worrying over there about what he's going to lose if he stayed under God's heaven. What's he going to lose? And what kind of price is he going to pay when he gets to Moab? I wonder... What he thought. When he lay upon his bed, and we'll deal with that in a minute in the funeral. You see, if I put myself in his place, I see myself having to compromise. I have to put my approval on wrong after wrong after wrong. I can't help but believe that that's worse than all the frustration and agony and torture he had before he left. I can't help but believe this man was going through more torment than the fear had put him in. I keep, you know, thinking to myself, surely he thought the hand of God's got to fall on me somewhere. One day it's going to catch up with me. He wasn't afraid of that as much as he was afraid of the famine that we saw today. But here he is. He's left, arrived, been accepted, and approved of. But not only does he, they, they approve of him, he approves of them. And now they've gotten to the place to where they're in a man. And it doesn't matter. Everything's just going great, so to speak. So there, involvement caused them to stay longer than they intended. And then third, their intention turned into a decision to dwell there. Look at verse number four. They took them wives of the women of Moab, and the name of the one was Orpha, and the name of the other Ruth, and they dwell there about ten years. 
Abimelech's going to die. He dies. But then the two sons and their wives dwell there ten years, but the sons are going to die too. And let me say this very carefully. You've heard the phrase, sin will take you further than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Well, that's what this does. Elimelech has gone further than he intended to go. And that's how young ladies get in a mess. That's how you young ladies, you get to fool around with your petting, and you're kissing, and you're hugging in places and, and positions that you're never supposed to be in. You don't intend to go too far, but if you don't stop it, you're going to go farther than you intend. It's going to cost you more than you want to pay. And it's sure going to keep you longer than you want to stay. That's true of any of us. Whether it be young folks or adults, it's like it is who it is. They decide to dwell there. Just live there. You know what the book of Romans says? Shall we dwell in sin? The grace may abound. God forbid, he said. A child of God cannot live in sin. If you ever do, pay your insurance policy. Now you can go sojourn there for a little while. You can continue there for a little while. But when you decide to shack up with it, put your approval on it. Pay your burial insurance. Because there's a funeral coming. Sin unto death, sin. When you decide to dwell in sin, harden yourself, keep yourself, and you live in your sin, if you say you just pay it up, I'm fixing to preach your end, preach your funeral. Or are you going to have somebody preach me? And see, it's no double standard. This is for true for Charles Shipman just as much as it is anybody else. I believe, knowing what I know, having what I've had, and being where I've been, if I were to get back sitting on God, if I left this church, and I said, well, I'm not getting anything here, and I don't have any joy, I don't have any peace, I don't have anything, and I decide to go out and sin, I could do it. Just like he can. He said, but surely God will stop us. One of the lessons we need to learn tonight, God does not stop you. He will not. Isn't that amazing? The decision is made. You have to will to go, and you can will to go and go. God does not stop you until you decide to dwell there. And then he takes you home to glory. That's right. You can go and you can sojourn a little while. Just like when you decide to step over the boundary out of the things of God. Right over across, not far, you know. You know, not too bad and not too far with the others and the worldly crowd and the worldly people. Not too far, but while we can get back, I think I'll just go a little bit. Sojourn over there. But then all of a sudden, the acceptance, the approval, and the entanglement. Until you start loving the forbidden. 
then you're willing to pay the price no matter what the price to keep the forbidden because the forbidden in your eyes is permissible and right. No longer is it the forbidden, it has been the approved and accepted. So here they are over there. But they're going to dwell. We will live. And you can't dwell in sin as a child of God. You can't live in sin. You may go there for a while. You may continue there for a while. But I don't believe you can even continue without distress, bewilderment, worry, fretting, trouble. I believe the Holy Spirit bothers you and upsets you. to see last the funerals in the land of Moab. Verse number 3, the scripture said, And Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. Well, this word just stood out. The word left. The word left. Elimelech died and left his wife and two sons. And I believe the reason it stood out was it. They had just left Canaan not too far before. They left Canaan to keep from dying. And now Elimelech dies. The very thing he tried to keep from doing. Jesus said, He that saveth his life shall keep it. He that loses it shall save. Oh, he left his wife and sons to provide for them. I mean, he left the land of Canaan to provide for his family, his wife and two sons. But can you imagine this? Can you see this? One day, if he didn't die of a heart attack, or maybe he did have a stroke or heart attack, he comes in and says, Naomi, Naomi! I'm hurting Naomi. Well, here's a problem. Who's going to help you when nobody can help you? They left God and came. Oh, he's still over there too. You know what I'm saying. But they turned their back on his promises. Living in the world and living like they want to and putting that approval on it and saying it's alright. But now it's time. Who's going to help then? Who's going to help then? Naomi, help me, Naomi. I don't want to live in the land where I can't get any help from God. Say, the preacher, he had to die. No, he didn't. The Talmud teaches of this section that they died because of their disobedience to God. 
sin of the death that's committed by the child of God is committed when he decides to live in sin. Ooh. That's an awesome thing, isn't it? One of the problems of our day is a light sense of sin. Man, we living in day. We don't think anything about disobeying God or disobeying God's word. We think he's a big granddaddy on the throne that said, I'll forgive. Sin always must have its consequences. And you reap what you're going to sow, even though you're forgiven. I can see Malon and Chilion going to get their daddy and lay him on the bed. Can you picture the scene? Here stands Naomi. Here stands Malon. Here stands Chilion. Watching their daddy as he dies. I wonder what Naomi thought then. I wonder what Malon thought then. I wonder what Chilion thought then. What price they'd been willing to pay. Yes, it's fixing to cost them, Daddy. Naomi, was it worth it? Malon, was it worth it? Chilion, was it worth it? I believe they stood as they watched the last breath go out of his body and he stopped. Well, I tell you, the truth hit me the other day that he left his wife and sons to provide for themselves in a foreign and forbidden land. I wonder a few minutes before he died if thoughts didn't race through his mind. Oh my God, look where I'm leaving them. I brought them out of the land of rest and from the house of bread and the land of praise. And I brought them over here to protect them and watch out over them and take care of them and and provide for them. But now, oh my God, I'm going to leave them in the forbidden. If I die tonight, I want to die knowing I'd left Rachel sending David and Suzanne in the land of promises. That's right, that's right. Not in the land. That's right. I hate to take my family away from God and tell them the world has its green pastures. I'd rather keep them in the famine. Hate to take them and tell them that the pastures of Moab are better than the pastures of Canaan. I'd hate to tell them that Moab is better, and then all of a sudden immigrate and us forsake the things of the Lord and forsake the house of the Lord and go out in the ways of the world, and then one day Charles Shipman died. Folks, it's one thing to live, but it's something else to die. 
And he dies because of his disobedience. He dies because he didn't listen to God. I found it true. Lost people get to the place they don't really care. But Elimelech brought this on himself. But now we've got, we've got another problem here fixing to develop in just a moment. But I want you to see what to me is one of the saddest sights I ever saw by faith. There on that little hillside in the land of the forbidden stands a widow and two sons at a graveside. I'm a man. It was a husband and a daddy. But he's dead. You say, well, surely that caused them to leave. Oh, no. Because if you ever get your children and your family away, and they get interwoven in Moab. They'll stay even if you're not around. Well, that's one of the things that helps me to know that God not only may be right and the family may be right, but all of us individually be at the right place doing the right thing. Yeah. Just two more truths, number three. Malon and Chilion died, leaving a widowed mother and two widows of their own. You say, well, who suffered in all this? A lot of suffering going on. But two people who suffered was Orpha and Ruth. You know what happened when they got over there? Orpha and Ruth fell in love with Malon and Chilia. Not knowing that their sins were going to find them out and they're going to lose their husbands. And I'd say, something, something drastic. And when I told you this morning, I said, this is bad, first part of it, but this grace is going to operate later. I'm glad grace can come out of the bad. But the just sad part is, here Malion and Chilion are dead, and Elimelech's dead, and all you've got is three widows. Alas, three graves, and three widows give evidence of the high cost of sin. Can't continue in sin. Can't live in sin. Sooner or later, you're going to have to pay the consequences. And the consequences, death. Like I said, I believe as much as in me is, if I went out from God and I set my mind and my heart, God kill me. I believe God kills some of you too. I really do. I said, preacher, you trying to say you're going to preach a funeral? No, I'm trying to keep them having one. <laughs> Mine and yours. Yeah, right. Amen. Well, was there anything God blessed this church with? It's the fact that we don't have many funerals. That's a blessing to God. Mm-hmm. The preacher, that scares me. I hope it scares you so bad. You'll stay in the land of Canaan. Right. Maybe. Amen. Right. So I'm be scared. Yes, you are. I'm scared to run out on cup. Well, I wouldn't stay if that's all the reason. That's reason enough. That's right. Amen. Yeah. I won't stay in the land of living. Why? Because rain's coming later. Yeah. Crops coming in. It just doesn't look like it yet. But yes. But oh, this story. 
sin brought suffering, shame, and sorrow. Can't you see him weeping? Can't you see here's two ladies, Orpha and Ruth, didn't deserve this. They didn't deserve this. Now usually, we think, we can't afford for the Moabites to mistreat us. You know why i got to stay right? Not just for my sake. I don't want to mistreat the Moabites. Do you see what I'm thinking of? Because of them, the Moabites suffered. Because of them, God had to kill them. And it made the Moabites suffer. And the reason why you don't want to get tangled up in the world, the worldly crowd, is not just for what they do to you, but for what they, what God's going to do to you, that'll do to them when you're gone. So God wouldn't do that to me! He will. Just like He would to me. I believe as much as in me is. If I don't get out of that land of Moab before I dwell there, they'll bring me back, six of them, and today roll me in a hearse. And I want you to know, I want to walk back or come back in an ambulance, not in a hearse. I don't even want an ambulance. But I'm learning. Oh, sin will cost you peace of mind. Listen to this. Place of service. It's going to cost you a place of service. It's something you may never realize. Any further opportunities to do business to God. And once in a while, the thought comes won't you just quit this? I believe if I quit this, Lord say, okay, come on up here. I'll let you rest. What you want to do, just come right on up here. Say, no, thank you, Lord. I'm coming one of these days. But when I go, I want to go in the land of Canaan, not the land of Moab. I want to go because it's finished with me and not because of the sin of disobedience. That's right. That's right. Amen. Amen. I heard statement by a preacher the other day. He said, watch out for the devil's LSD. Lust, sin, and death. That's the devil's LSD. What a price it paid. Left the place of rest, the house of bread. Place of praise to go into a land where they lost their lives suffered the loss of all things. See, they were so afraid of losing what they had that it never crossed their mind that they were going to lose themselves. Did you know you're better off to lose everything and have each other? Yeah, that's right. That's right. Than it is to have everything and lose yourself. Boy, this is what happened. You know, sometimes we forget that. We forget that. They lost everything because they lost themselves. I can see the lonely figures as they stand bereaved of husbands in a forbidden land. Wood and two daughter-in-laws conscious of one truth, the high cost of sin. 
sure sure your sin will find you out. Been a long way, Limelech. Been a long time, Naomi. Mary Long Julia, ten years. Picture. Down through. They go into the land of Moab. Don't know how long they stay before Limelech died. But they might have a year, two, three, four, before Limelech died. Don't know. But I do know Malon and Chilion, they lived those ten years. How can you picture this? Here they are living there, raising their crops. They're dwelling in sea. They're dwelling in Moab. They're raising their crops, going about their daily activity, loving each other, loving their wives, wives loving them. Having a good time, going about their jobs and their activities. Busy, busy, busy. Then one day, God's clock ticks around to Malon's time. Because you see, time has a way of catching up with you. The scripture says, because sentence against an evil work is not executed speedily, the hearts of the son of men are fully set in them to do evil. Because God just doesn't strike me when I go over the border, I say, huh, must have approval of God. Must be alright with God. Or He'd sure do something to me. No, that's the long suffering of our Father. That's the mercy of our God. That's just what you're doing over there. Come back over here. Come, come on back over here to the land of rest. You know you can't get any rest over there. Come on back over here to the land of praise. Come on back to the house of bread and stay with it. I'll send rain later. I hear him say, no, must be all right for us to stay over here. Nothing's happened to us. I wonder what Malon thought, who was the oldest, when his daddy died. I wonder if he thought, well, daddy was just old and in years, and that's what the problem was. It was just his time to die. I wonder if he associated the sin unto death. I wonder if he associated the disobedience. I wonder if he thought, well, I'll be next. I doubt it. But then one day, I can hear Cheer Young coming, Naomi! Mama! Malon was had a heart attack. He's dead. And then I wonder what Cheer Young thought. I wonder what he thought, but isn't it amazing? that not a one of them will to go back to where they were in the land of Canaan. Boy, that's the hardness of heart. I do believe this. I believe God let them live. If they'd have said, we're through with Moab, we're leaving Moab and going back to Canaan. I believe if they'd have said, we made a mistake, We've been wrong because the Bible says if you confess your sins, you'll have mercy. He said if you forsake your sins, you'll have mercy. And I believe God is over there in the land of Canaan saying, come back. Come back. Come on back. But in their hearts they said no. The reason being, we'll have to give up too much what we have over here. Now watch this. This is the last truth. They were willing to give up everything that God had in the land of Canaan for the land of Moab. But they weren't willing to give up what they had in the land of Moab for the things of the land of Canaan. 
There's a deception of heart. When you take worldly possessions and worldly pleasures that you enjoy and place value on, God will have to kill you usually before you let it go. I pray God He never let me put my hands on something. This world that I think so valuable, I won't let it go to continue to preach and do His blessed will. I pray there's nothing I'll be holding on to but what I'm willing to say, yes, Lord, I'm going to quit this dwelling or this sojourning and this continuing over here before I get to dwelling over here. I'm going to wipe my hands this and say, you more bites, you can have it. I'm headed back to a man that came. You said, but preacher, they would have said, but we got more bites, why? More bites, why? Listen to this. When Naomi took Ruth back, they accepted Ruth. If Chilion and Malon had taken Orpha and Ruth, they would have accepted them then. But oh no. Why? Because they wanted to stay in the land of Moab. And God's children can't live over there. Then better to come back and live in the state and die. What started off with a precious godly family, Elimelech, my God is king. Naomi, pleasantness. Malon and Chilion, dwelling in the land of promise. You see in the famine, you see in the forsaken, and it ends in a funeral. Like I said, that's not a bad, very good story. It's a sad story. It has no good ending at this particular point. A widow and two daughter-in-laws who are widows standing by three graves contemplating the past, I'm sure, and the present. I'm sure thinking of the high cost of sin. But I wonder tonight, where are we? Where are we? Where are we? Are we over here? Land of Canaan, land of praise. House of bread. Or are we just step right over into Moab? Or maybe we're still over here reasoning and thinking it all out. Or maybe we're already over there, continuing over there, getting involved, mingling, and getting in a woven. I don't know about you, but this sermon, these two sermons, has been, like I said, working on me ever since July. Hadn't done anything else for me. They put such an awe and fear and respect in my heart. And well, I'm glad to say thank you, God, for the house of bread and the rest, even if I'm restless. Thank you, God, for the opportunity of service, and thank you for precious life. You know, when I got sick the other day, thought came to me again. I'm glad for as I know I'm over that. But the thought came to me again, like it had when I got sick once or other, one or two other times. What if I got cancer? What if I don't live? It just reminded me of something fresh and new, the preciousness of life. <laughs> 
Lemelan Chilion forgot how precious life is. Things became more important. Living more than life. And if you ever get caught up in living and forget about life, you may get in a woman to land in Moab and have no life to live. Let's bow our heads while we pray. Heavenly Father, I've tried to preach today what you have worked on my heart now for months about. Ever since that camp meeting. And I looked back several weeks ago down in Louisiana when you broke a little bit more. Lord, over these months, truths have come one after another, different times, until finally you finished this section. Lord, the next truth about Naomi. And I'm so glad. I'm so thrilled. But Lord, there may be someone that's here tonight unsaved, lost on the road to hell. Someone who's like in the land of Moab, out in the green grass of the world, out in the pleasures of the world, having such a good time, seeing nothing wrong with where they live, and having more than some of the saints do. Enjoy more pleasures in this world than the saints can. But Lord, I pray for that lost person tonight. Oh, dear God, in Jesus' name, I pray for the convicting power of the Holy Ghost. Then I pray for the Elimelech, the Naomi, the Malon, and the Chilion. I pray for those who are beginning to imagine, those who are beginning to think, and those who are contemplating the withdrawal and the forsaking of the house of God and the praise and the improper evaluation of priorities and values. I pray for them tonight, Lord. There may be someone here who has just stepped over the boundary into the land of Moab. Oh, God just stepped over there who still got the opportunity to come back. Maybe someone that's over there who's continuing. There may be someone who's over there who's about to pitch the tent and dwell. Lord, time is on your side. I know that the clock of God ticks slow sometimes, but it ticks true. I pray you'd search out my own heart. Lord God, tonight, I've got a spiritual, invisible price tag on rest and peace. Please, dear God, let me keep it on there and not sell what I have, trade or swap, for anything the land of Moab's got. God, you blessed this church. Lord, this is a place like the land of Canaan, a place of rest. This is a house of bread. This is a place of praise. Sometimes we have a dry time. Sometimes we have a famine. Sometimes we have hardships and trials and troubles. Sometimes, Lord, we get like the family. Dear God, I don't know who's an Elimelech tonight. I don't know who's a Naomi. 
Here's a male honor cheerleader that you're dealing with. Dear God, I just feel in my heart somebody tonight. Man, woman, boy, or girl that you're dealing with down so deep that only you know about it and that person is realizing it. Oh, this has been such a time today. God, I thank You. This is a sermon of protection. Thank You, God, there's no casket down here. Thank you, God. I'm not standing preaching a funeral sermon. It's a sermon of joy and hope because it's truth. Elimelech experienced it. He's my representative illustration. God had me to learn from him. Naomi, Malon, and Chilion experienced it. Help these young people, these wives, these ladies to learn from Naomi and the kids. While our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, Cindy's going to come play for us.